going to turn together to God's Word for our Scripture reading, and we're turning to the book of Acts and to the chapter 21. The book of the Acts and the chapter 21. And here the Apostle Paul is on his third missionary journey. He has left the work at Ephesus. He has said goodbye to God's people there. He has left the charge before the elders of Ephesus. And now in chapter 21, he has set sail, set sail around the Greek islands, and he's on his journey towards Jerusalem. And so we read in the book of Acts, the chapter 21 and the verse 1. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course onto Colts, the day following onto Rhodes, and from thence to Patara. And finding a ship sailing over onto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came on to Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea, 
and brought with them one Manason of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Amen. We land there at verse 17. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. <clears throat> Let us turn once again in the word of God to the book of Acts and the chapter 21. In the book of Acts, the chapter 21, we have read the first 17 verses of the chapter. And just there, in the verse 16, uh, there is an individual named here that I would like us to consider together for a short time this morning. The verse 16, there went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Manason of Cyprus, an old disciple whom we should lodge, with whom we should lodge. And I entitled the message with the words there towards the end of verse 16, an old disciple. And I want us to think about this old disciple together. Let's unite our hearts in prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word and that he would speak to our souls this morning. Our loving God and our gracious heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy precious and infallible word. And we ask, O God, as we would come to consider it together, that we would know the help of God the Holy Spirit, be our teacher and be our instructor, reveal the things of God to us, and grant our Father that we would receive that word with meekness into our hearts this day, and that word, O God, would be a word in season to every waiting soul. Do continue with us now and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, it has been said that there is no nobler sight in all the world than an aged Christian. And I think that's very true. No nobler sight in all the world than to look at an aged Christian. Thinking of one that has been through all of the experiences of life. One that has faced all of the battles and all that they would encounter, all of the hurdles, the trials, and the temptations, those that have perhaps gone through at times the furnace of affliction, and through all of their varying experiences that they have encountered in their Christian lives, they have proved the Lord, and they have proved the Lord to be faithful, and they have proved God's grace to be sufficient for them. And therefore they become a tremendous example to each one. And they bear that wonderful testimony for the Lord. And I would say to the young people who would be gathered with us in God's house today, that you have much to learn from looking to the older generation. Never think of the older generation 
as those old fuddy-duddies who are out of touch with everything, those who barely know how to work their mobile phone or whatever gadget or device that they have. Oh, they may not be able to cope with the technology of this age, but they have much to teach the younger generation. Do you know the Bible lays great emphasis upon the elderly, and it lays great emphasis upon those old saints of God. In fact, the way back in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 19 and the verse 32, it actually says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. That's the white head. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. In other words, it's to be honored. And thou shalt honor the face of the old man. Honor the face of the old man. That was the command that was given to God's people in the Old Testament. And so that older generation, they were to be held in honor and they were to be held in respect. Honor the face of the old man. Over in the book of Proverbs, and these are just a few of the verses in Proverbs chapter 16, and there in the verse 31, it says, The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. And so that old white-haired hoary head, when it's found in the way of righteousness, why, there is there that glory, a crown of glory, and the hoary head and the paths of righteousness. You know, the book of Job would have much to say concerning uh, those of old age. And in the book of Job and the eighth chapter, and there in the eighth verse, it says, For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age. And the former age there is the former generation. And Job there is being encouraged to inquire of the former generation. You see, there's something that the former generation is able to teach us. And Job goes on in chapter 12 and the verse 12 to enlarge upon that. And he says, with the ancient, his wisdom, and in length of days, understanding. And so in looking to that older generation, to the old disciples, to the old saints of God, there is wisdom and there is understanding. In Job chapter 32, and there in the seventh verse, I said, days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. The multitude of years that should teach wisdom. You read in the book of First Kings and the chapter 12 about King Rehoboam. And King Rehoboam there in First Kings 12 and the verse 8. In fact, when you go back to the sixth verse, it says, And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men, the old man that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? 
And so there was the king, and he was seeking counsel, and he was seeking advice from the old men. It's interesting as you go down that chapter of 1 Kings chapter 12, the verse 8 says, But but he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. And so King Rehoboam, while he did seek that advice and counsel from the old men, he forsook it. He took the advice from those of his own generation. Verse 13 of that chapter repeats the fact, and the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him. Oh, forsaking the counsel of the older generation. And so you can see here in God's word, it is possible to trace those references to the older generation, and that older generation is to be greatly valued because they have a wealth of wisdom and of understanding to share with the up-and-coming generation things that they have learned right throughout their Christian lives. Years of experience. Didn't learn it from Mr. Google. Didn't learn it from Wikipedia or TikTok or Facebook or any other of those platforms. They learned it from the Lord. They learned it in the school of experience and, yea, sometimes in the school of hard knocks. And so it's good for us to consider the older generation of God's people. And today we have one before us in this text of Scripture, and he's actually described here in this verse as an old disciple. And that's what I want us to think about for these few moments an old disciple, and here is the only place in Scripture where this individual is referred to. But the Holy Spirit of God has included this old disciple for us to consider, and therefore there are no doubt things that we can learn from him. I want you to think firstly about his conversion. When you look at verse 16, there's only a few words here ascribed and associated with this individual, but he is described as a disciple. He's an old disciple. And so that word disciple there, that would give us an indication that he's one who has followed the Lord. The word disciple can be used in different ways. It can be used specifically to refer to the 12 disciples, but it can be used generally to refer to those that have followed the Lord. And here we have this particular individual, and it doesn't say of him that he's a teacher, or he's a preacher, or he's a Paul, or he's a Stephen. The Holy Spirit just says he's a disciple. And so there included in the Word of God, that's the thing that is brought to our attention. That's what we can establish about this old man. We can establish that he's a disciple. He's one who's followed the Lord. And while there's really little other detail that's given about him, 
nothing else in the word of God referring to him. Just this one thing, he's a disciple. And so coming down all the generations that have passed since the book of Acts and since this individual was upon the earth, there's one thing that we can still establish about him. There's one thing that remains by way of testimony to this man, and that is he was a follower of the Lord. He was a disciple. I wonder when the years pass, and you and me are long gone. I wonder what could be established of us. What would ever be remembered of us? There are those, of course, throughout their lives, they're taken up with seeking fame and fortune. But what would be said down the generations of time if the Lord tarries? Could it be said of us, well, we can't find too much information about them, but we find that they were a believer. We find that they were a follower of the Lord. That's what we learn about this individual. He was a disciple. He was a follower of the Lord. He has an interesting name. I haven't really used it much yet because it's difficult to pronounce. You see, when you look at the name that's given there in verse 16, it starts with two consonants, and we're not used with that. But the way to perhaps help with pronunciation is to insert a vowel there between the M and the N and to call him Manason. Manason. That's the name of this man. And while the name might be difficult for us by way of pronunciation, we know what it means. And it means one who remembers. One who remembers. And so names in the Bible are important because they reveal to us something about the individual. They reveal to us something of the character of that individual. And here we can tell of this old man, Manasson, that he was one who remembers. See, there was a time when he heard the gospel. We don't know when that was exactly. We know that it was at a very early stage in the New Testament church. Maybe he even heard the Savior preach the gospel. Maybe he was there on the day of Pentecost and he heard the apostle Peter preach the gospel. We don't know when and we don't know where it was that he heard the gospel, but we know that he did hear the gospel because he became a follower of the Lord. And here is a man who remembers. And when he heard that word, he remembered that word. And as he meditated upon that word, the Holy Spirit of God applied it to his heart. And his heart was opened up to receive that word. And he was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ and he became a follower. He became a disciple of the Lord. Another detail that's given of him there in verse 16, that he was from Cyprus, Manasson of Cyprus. He was a Cypriot. That was his birthplace. 
It's not where he was living at this particular time because we learn there that he was now living in Jerusalem, but he came from Cyprus, and Cyprus was known as being a sinful place. It was a place of much wickedness. And from there, perhaps born into a place of sin and a place of wickedness, oh, there was a time when he heard the gospel. And there was a time when his heart was regenerated by the power of God. And there was a time when he was converted to Christ. And now he's following the Lord. He's a disciple of the Lord. And he's a wonderful trophy of God's grace. And we can look to this man, an old disciple, and we can think about his conversion. But secondly... I want us to think about his consistency. Because in the few words that are associated here with Manasson, he's described not only as a disciple, but as an old, an old disciple. And that literally means a disciple from the beginning. In other words, he was one of the early converts in the New Testament church. He was an early disciple. And now this man who was an original convert, a first generation, if you like, of New Testament believers, he's now been on the road for many years. And he's an old disciple in every sense. He's well known amongst other believers the believers at the church at Caesarea and at Jerusalem. Here's an individual who had borne a good testimony over a very long period of time. He had embraced the gospel many years earlier, and now he's old and he's still faithful to the Lord, and he has still held on to the old truths that he had been taught. He has not departed from them. He has not compromised. He's one who has kept the faith. He has been consistent in his Christian lives. I'm sure we could all think of individuals like that, those of that older generation been a wonderful example to us. They've been a great encouragement to us along the way. They have sought to help us on with the Lord. They've been stalwarts of the faith. They're those individuals who would stand out. And young believer today, you would do well to look to such and to learn from them. The ways of the Lord. Old disciples, if you like, mentioned in Luke chapter 2. And there Mary and Joseph are bringing the baby Jesus into the temple as was the custom to present him before the Lord. And as they come into the temple, Luke chapter 2 records for us that there were certain individuals in the temple there. One of them was Simeon. Old Simeon is there. And it says of him in Luke chapter 2 that he was waiting. And he'd been waiting for many's a long year. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And in Luke 2 and the verse 29, when the baby Jesus comes into the temple, he said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation 
old Simeon could testify of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his salvation. Also in the temple there was a lady. Her name was Anna. Anna, a prophetess. And it says in verse 36 that she was of a great age. She's a great age, Anna. Gives her age. She's four score and four years. She's 84 years of age. But what a testimony this old saint has. It says, she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And there's old Anna, and she's there, and she's marked with faithfulness, and she's marked there as one who serves the Lord. And she serves the Lord night and day, consistently. She had been through her times of difficulty. She had had her sorrow. She had lost her husband after just seven years of marriage. No doubt her heart was gripped with grief and with sorrow, that pain of loss, but it didn't hold her back in her service for the Lord. She's still there faithfully in the house of the Lord. You know, she's talking to others. She's talking to them about the Lord. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them. She's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. There were still those in Jerusalem looking for redemption, and Anna is one who's able to speak to them concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and concerning his great work of redemption. Oh, do you see the wisdom? Do you see the understanding? The value there of the old saints of God, the old disciples? And so it is too with Manasson in Acts chapter 21 and the verse 16. We find that he was a disciple on the road for many years and he had that consistency, that testimony for the Lord. I want you to notice thirdly from our text, his conviction. He was a man of great conviction. Verse 16 may not reveal it to us on the surface, but you could look at the context of verse 16. And of course, as we have read down the chapter, it's telling us about Paul traveling towards Jerusalem. And as the apostle Paul travels towards Jerusalem, he's being warned by others that he's in great danger. If you come in chapter 21 there to the verse 4, it says, In finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And so they're saying to the apostle Paul there, Don't be going to Jerusalem. You're in great danger if you go to Jerusalem. They're trying to persuade him not to go. Verse 11 of our Bible reading, And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, this is Agabus, and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. 
And when we had heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. And so they've said to him there again, they're beseeching him, don't go up to Jerusalem. And you can see Paul was not for turning, even though he knew that it meant danger for him. And those who were in the company of the Apostle Paul, they could have said, well then, if you're determined to go on, you go on by yourself. But they didn't. They were willing to accompany the Apostle Paul. And we commend them for that. They're willing to go with the Lord's servant and not to desert him. Now Manasseh, he's at Jerusalem. And he's a follower of the Lord. He's a disciple of Christ. And he would have been in no doubt aware of the great threat that existed against the Apostle Paul and against God's people. But the wording now in the context of verse 16, it brings Manasseh into view. And it says, There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Manasseh of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And it would seem to indicate that Manasseh there is now in the company and he's traveling along with them and they're bringing the apostle Paul and those with Paul to this individual, to this old disciple. There's old Manasseh. And he's right in the very center of all of this. He's right in the very hotbed of persecution. And therefore, we would have to admire the courage of his convictions. He could have said, well, I've been on the road a long time now. I'll not be getting involved in this. He could have said, I'm now too old for all of this. The persecutors at Jerusalem would no doubt want to know who's helping the Apostle Paul. Who's housing the Apostle Paul and his associates? And so Manasseh was actually placing himself in great danger, but he was willing there to take a stand with God's people and with the Apostle Paul. And there is a reflection there of his loyalty to the Lord, his loyalty to the work of God and his service for the Lord. And therefore, Manasseh was a man of great conviction. What an example he is to us by that. But we could go further. We could look at his consecration. The end of our text, verse 16, tells us that they would be lodging with this old disciple, Manasseh. And therefore, he had opened up his home to the Apostle Paul and to those who were with him, to God's people. He is showing to them great hospitality. And there is something of sacrificial and dedicated service here. He's putting all that he has at his disposal in the hands of the Lord, giving it over to the Lord. The Apostle Paul and those who were with him. You glance back to Acts chapter 4. Sorry, Acts chapter 20 and the verse 4. 
It says, and there accompanied him into Asia. Then it goes on to list a number of names there. There are actually seven names in that verse 4 of chapter 20. And these are all accompanying the apostle Paul, seven of them. And verse 6 there says, and we sealed. And the end of verse 6 says, where we abode seven days. And so there's this we taking in that whole company. And whenever you would come in then to chapter 21 and you come there to the verse 15, it says, And after those days we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. And so it's the Apostle Paul and at least seven others. That's quite a crowd to have in your home. And that verse 15 also refers to their carriages. Their carriages was their luggage. And so you have these at least eight individuals, and you have here all of their luggage as well. That's a sizable group with all of their belongings. And Manasson is opening up his home to each and every one of them. He was giving himself over to the Lord and putting all that he had at the Lord's disposal for the Lord's servants. It's no wonder, therefore, that this man is being honored by the Holy Spirit, and he's being named here in the book of the Acts, the chapter 21 and the verse 16, because it's consecrated service. And therefore, we do learn much from just the little detail that is given about this old disciple. And in light of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, and what the Savior has accomplished on the cross of Calvary in his great sacrifice, in the work of redemption, in the pouring out of his precious blood, in the light of that, in the consideration of that, we must give ourselves. And we are encouraged in God's word to give ourselves wholly and fully unto the Lord, to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. As we think of this old disciple, may we be willing to walk in his footsteps and to follow his example. C.T. Studd, he was a great cricketer, and he gave it all up for the Lord and to go to the mission field. And C.T. Studd said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. No sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. May we each today give ourselves afresh to the Lord. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts.